the title of my message is Season with Salt. We're going to talk about words and conveying words. And of course, words are used to communicate our feelings. Words are used to convey instruction, all kind of things. That's how we as humans convey our thoughts. Some of us are talkers. We talk with many words. Some of us talk with our hands. And some of us like to talk and fill in the blank, which I'm guilty of sometimes. Because sometimes if you don't have someone that likes to talk a lot and you're a talker and there's silence, doesn't it feel sort of awkward sometimes? Like you're like, what's wrong? I gotta fill in the blank. I better start talking. And some people just don't talk very much. They're a man or a woman of few words. Those are the kind of people that sort of think things through and process things a little longer before they speak, which is a good thing. I'm unfortunately on the other side. I talk a lot, so. <clears throat> but <clears throat> they did a survey that men actually talk, not actually, but approximately 7,000 words each day. Guess how many women talk? About 20,000 words a day. I guess that's just the way we are, right? Now, not all women are talkers, but most of us do have that way of talking. <clears throat> now, if you think about the words, I've talked about this many times before, about the power of words. And there's scripture from Proverbs. There's so many scriptures in Proverbs. Or you could just go through pages and pages, and you'll see a lot about the tongue, about your speech, and words that we use. And Proverbs 18:21. Uh, there's our first scripture. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, there is power in words. And sometimes we don't think about what we're saying. And I had to challenge myself, because we did this in our Bible study on Saturday mornings sometimes. We did a lot on uh, words and the power of words and that. If we could just record what we say and listen back to it, a lot of times we'd be like really surprised at ourselves. Like, did I really say that? Or like, I can't believe that came out like that, you know? I think that we, if we could really listen to what we're saying, then we would start to really think, hmm, maybe I should think about that first. Because we have the power of life or death to speak into someone's life. We have the power to speak encouragement, or you can speak discouragement and death. And we don't realize, but there's times when words can, well, if we all have had words said to us that have stuck. Once they've been spoken to us and how it affects us, it's sort of like the memory card or the cloud. Now, I don't, I don't understand the cloud on all this internet stuff. But it's all stored there, you know? So our brain can really hang on to memory like that. It's so easy to keep that but not be able to wipe it clean. So the power impact of words is powerful. We've had words spoken over us at one time or another that might not have been good, and other times they've been encouraging, and those are the ones we want to grab onto and hold onto. And I think, too, it's not just on what words we say, because we've got to be careful what we say, and if we would really think, like, I have a problem of talking so much that sometimes I don't think before I talk, and then later it's like, oh, boy, but you can't take them all back in anymore but it's on how you say it. And this is how you can say something. Well, I don't know. 
Body language speaks a lot. Or how about this one? Did you ever get that one? Or the sigh? I don't know. But they all make an impact, don't they? So I was thinking about that. It's like, wow, I, I do. You know, there's a lot of times when I have said things and they came out with the wrong tone. Like we had in our Bible lesson. It was so funny. It was when I was Isaiah was in the in the cleft of the rocks, and, G, and God says, "What are you doing here?" And it's even the emphasis on a word. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? See how it all changes the emphasis of how you say it. And I know this is not a deep big revelation from God that I'm bringing this morning, but it's practical stuff that we use every day that can impact people's lives. And even what we speak to ourselves. And it's also when you say it, when you say the things you say. There's a timing. And in Proverbs 15:23 it says, "One finds joy in an apt reply." Boy, I seem really loud. Don't I? One finds joy in an apt reply. How good it is, is a timely word. The right word at the right time can mean so much. Someone may be struggling with something, and it just takes that one, t like you at the right time say that right encouraging word to help them. And if we look at James 3, 5, we all know about the tongue, how James talks, but let's read it again for the sake of reiterating this Again, James 3, 5, and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. How many disagreements, broken relationships and families, marriages, countries, nations, wars, ethnic, everything, all can be sparked by one small word of hatred, jealousy, strife, and envy, all kind of things that can stir up the bad things. But we also have good words of encouragement, too, that can make the difference. And isn't it, did you ever notice that we can be very careful in how we choose our words around friends and people that we just meet or the people at church? But at home, things can fly out of our mouths real easy. What do you think you're doing? Well, I don't, that's stupid. What are you doing? I mean, there's things that we don't realize, like, oh, boy, would I say that? No, I don't know if I would say that to someone of my friends. I would say it very politely, wouldn't I? You know, well, maybe I don't agree, but that's okay. But if it's someone very close to you, you can very much change the tone of it. So um, it's easy to lose it and spew out careless words to our spouse or kids, and it wounds and can cause scars later on. And I think that we have to also include the Internet with this, because words not just spoken out loud, Words tight. There's so much power and so much things that go on on social media that impact people's lives. 
So before you start going or typing that, pause and ask yourself, is this true? Would it build up somebody or would it condemn it? Would it be only my view that matters and no one else's? Uh, would you say it if they were sitting in person next to you? Because it takes courage to say something face-to-face -to, -face to someone when it's, it's a cowardice more to say something that you would just let it fly because you're typing and you don't have to face that person later. So we've got to really, this is a big thing that goes on all the time. There's so much that happens because of that. And so we have to really be careful what we put on words on the keypad or speak with our mouth. Um, Proverbs 17, 27 through 28 says, Even the fools use words with restraint and are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. But don't you want to just say it anyway? Like, I want to say what I think, because I'm right, right? Don't we always think that our opinion's right and that we're right and they're wrong? So we gotta make sure that we get that out there. But see, like the scripture says, even fools are thought wise if they keep it silent and, and don't say it. Like, wasn't that thumper, what was that? If you can't say nothing good, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> I always think about that, but it's true. It's a wise old saying, but it's true. So it's not, isn't it hard to, to hold our tongue when we really want to say something that we feel that we need to say? But if you would ask that question to yourself, is it necessary? Is it true? Does it build up? Is it something that I would say if the person was sitting next to me? That pause could cause help not cause a big problem later. All right, so it's a bait, don't take it. It's a bait from the enemy, don't let it happen because it's a big black hole once you get in there and say things that you really shouldn't have said and didn't mean and can't take back because, like I said, they're in the memory card. Um, I like the saying that I read in a book. It says, we need to go to the faith book before we go to the face book. So if you're really angry about something and the comments are written, just pray about it first. Like, oh, Lord, help me not to just say what I think I should say or I want to say. Just help me be able to either not say anything at all or say what's only good and uplifting. Uh, Colossians 4, 5, and 6 is another scripture. Be wise how you act to outsiders. Your conversation should be seasoned with salt to know how to answer everyone. So I got this out of a book that we did at our women's study, and I thought it would be interesting to bring up. It's called Salty Speech. So we want to season with salt. That's my title. So... Looking at salt, uh, there's some things about salt I didn't know. Salt, we do know this, salt enhances flavors, number one. Did you ever eat something that didn't have any salt on it? I don't know. There's not too many people that I know 
that don't like to put salt on their food. And we know some that overuse salt. <laughs> but salt enhances the flavor. Making your speech makes it taste better if it's seasoned with salt. The question is, are your words adding flavor that is good and tasty? Making it good and tasty for those that want to hear what you have to say. Make it good. Make it pure. Make it holy. Make it them want to have more of that again. Number two, salt preserves. Even in the world of decay, that's decaying around us with downfall of things going on, we are called to be the salt of the earth, and we are called to preserve the truth of God as we interact with others. So we need to preserve the, what is good and true from God and stand there with that, as, and how we interact with others. Number three, salt is valuable. Generations past, they used salt as a commodity. They used to use it as trading for goods. <coughs> Do your words add value to the conversation? Or are they just idle chit-chat that's just going along with the gossip and the whatever's going on? It's easy to get caught up in that. People at work, people that aren't believers, people that are just negative all the time. If it's not adding to a good conversation, it's like you need to add something that's good. Change the subject a little bit if it's going sour. <laughs> You know, you can actually change the whole atmosphere. Number four, salt purifies and softens. I can relate to this because it's like it softens hard water. I have hard water in our well, and we need to do the Culligan salt system all the time. Jump it in, soften the water conditioner so that it can soften the water. It does make a big difference. So our words are to be soft, pure, not harsh. So if we are speaking the right kind of words and the right kind of language, let them soften those people, things that are rough, people that are rough around the edges. Which leads to number five, salt can melt ice. People can be really cold, give you the cold shoulder, be rude, but the Bible says, treat them with kindness, a soft answer, a soft reply. And sometimes it's hard because when people treat you sort of, eh, I don't like that. I'm sure no one does. But we need to represent Christ in the right way. So we need to treat them. Did you ever notice if you first meet someone and they're real rough around the edges and they're hard and they're just sort of... Uh, but if you start speaking like nice to them and respect them, give them a courtesy of just like, well, that's, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, they can change a little. I remember when I cleaned for this, the first time I met him, he didn't know, he was so gruff sounding, I was like, oh my goodness. But you know what, he's the sweetest person. It's just, it took that little bit of getting used to talking, and it, I, it, you know, sometimes we're wrong about our first impressions. Just speak kind to him. Number six, salt prevents infection in wounds. They used this a lot of times back in the day, I guess. It halted the spread of infections, and it would actually be able to save a life. But you know what? 
salt poured in a wound is stinging. Ow. I couldn't imagine like an open cut or one putting salt in. It's like, ow. Just like you watch them old westerns where they take the knife and get it hot and, you know, <laughs> that's how I think the salt would feel like just burning in that. But in the long run, it saves their life because it could cause, help not let the infection spread and kill the person. So, would you be brave and stand up and stop the spread of infections? Infectious speech or lies when those around you are speaking that? Could you put a stop to it like right there and say, okay, well, you know, let's not go there. Or if someone's going to talk about so-and-so, either if they don't want to listen to change, just leave this area. You don't need to be involved in that. And number seven, I had to laugh when I wrote this again because I was reading it. <clears throat> Too much salt destroys the dish. I actually had this happen to me just the other week, honestly. I was making pork chops, got a little heavy-handed on the salt shaker, and I, I don't know, maybe I salted it twice on one side and didn't realize it. I had to throw it out. I don't even think the animals ate it because it was so salty. It was bad, and I felt so bad, but you know what? Overkill, like too much salt, will destroy it. If you're going to be forceful and talking your faith to someone and just shoving it down their throat and being very rude about it and not cautious about how you present yourself, it's going to just ruin your whole, your whole outlook of how to reach them. So be brief and humble to the facts, not too much, because it can sour the dish and sour relationships. If you don't agree, don't force your opinion on them. There's so many things that we don't agree with, with other people, but it doesn't really do any good when you want to force them to understand your view. I've tried that, it doesn't work. And all it does is break up a good friendship sometimes. And I, rem I was watching on TV the other night, we had guests on about this and that, and it was about a stance on a, a view that's very debatable right now and, you know, religious, those of us who believe one way. But the guy that was on here was representing a Christian group. But the way he came across was so, like he interrupted and he kept putting this thing out and sh I am, um, this is what it stands for. And it, it just ruined the whole interview. Seriously, I thought, oh my goodness, but that's what happens when you're forcing it. It actually turned the people against even listening to the view that he was right, I believe, but it ruined it. It was like, we're not, that's it. They, they cut him off because he kept pushing it. And I thought, wow, that's a good example of too much salt, overbearing. So we got to be careful when we're talking with others, especially people that don't know the Lord. you got to sort of see where they're at and then tread carefully. Choose your words, think about it, pray about it. Don't say too much all at one time. And just let, it, let God do the rest. I had, a, uh, you know, the scripture, I don't have it written down, but it's like, set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. I used to pray that all the time because sometimes I'd say stuff. And I was like, oh, what? I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, we always think set a guard by shutting it. That doesn't mean not to speak. But what it does mean is we need to filter what we say. And it has to be Holy Spirit filtered. Like, think it through a little bit. 
and let God lead the conversation. So, so let's choose our words carefully. Uh, we need to speak life, pause, know when or what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. Season it with salt, with grace and love. And excuse me, and the other, I thought about how it relates to, I know this is Father's Day, not all things that have been spoken to us were always good, but there was good. And we're not perfect. Our fathers are human beings. We are human beings. Mothers, fathers, we're not perfect. But we need to also learn not to omit certain things of saying, like, I'm thinking, I'm sorry. Those are words that are sort of hard to say but we need to be able to say them. How about, I was wrong? I don't like to admit when I'm wrong. I always want to prove I'm right. But sometimes we aren't right, and it's, it needs to be said, I was wrong. You were right. Or forgive me. Or words like, you can do it. Or, I love you. I understand. Those are upbuilding words. But sometimes we don't say the things. It's just as bad not to say some of the words we need to say than it is to say the wrong words when we say it. So, I'm, I don't know, I was just thinking about this because there's so many times when there's things that you could say or you should say and you didn't say it and then you go away from it thinking, oh, I should have said it. God was prompting me to say it and I didn't say it. Or maybe my pride got the best of me so I couldn't say it because I didn't want to say it. So it's all in the language. We need to use the language that God uses with us. The spoken word of love, grace, seasoned with salt to others. And as the role of the father's role in the family, it says not to exasperate your children, but discipline them. So the father's role is important. A lot of times we like to be, the Mother's Day is all about mothers and flowers and that, and that's great, we do. But sometimes the fathers get, well, they don't get as much attention sometimes. We need to really give them that praise and honor because they have a tough job too. They're the spiritual leader of the household. And we need to respect them. Children need to obey their parents, and parents need to respect their children but do, and discipline in a loving way. So... I didn't say that. God said that. That was in the Bible. That's in Ephesians. <laughs> if anyone wants to read that. That's Ephesians 6, 4, by the way. So being a father is hard sometimes because guys don't, you guys can vouch. Are you a lot of talkers? I don't know. Some of you guys might like to talk a lot more and maybe speak more. But most guys don't speak a lot. Women are more of the exaggerated, like we were really dramatic, we talk more. Kids sort of come to mom when they want to talk about stuff sometimes. But you know what? You dads are important too because you can speak life and encouragement, be an example too to your children. So with that, I would like to have all the fathers come up and the boys, young men, and I need to get, we'll bring up some of the ones from downstairs and We'll have a prayer for you guys.
So all you guys have to come up front. I'm not coming back here. <laughs> come on down. Or come on up. <clears throat> I didn't go too long, did I? Oh, I did too bad. <laughs> all right. Do we missing anybody? <clears throat> You guys are doing a great job, I'm telling you. <laughs> Not to be afraid. Okay, let's pray for these fathers. Lord God, you are our good father. And Lord, I just want to pray blessings on these men here that are fathers and those to someday be fathers. Lord, those that may just even mentor as a father figure. Lord, I just pray your blessing, <coughs> your guidance, and your wisdom, <coughs> and that they would be able to follow your guidance and be encouraged, Lord, as the job that you have given them is a special job of being in the family and being the example and being uh, a godly man, Lord. And I just thank you for these men here and these young men that will someday be fathers. So, Lord, we just pray for them. And we thank you for them in this body. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>